give you a little statistics before we start. This was in the uh, legal alert talking about church attendance during COVID. Boomers, 40% stayed home, stayed at the same church. 26% stopped attending. 11% switched churches. Generation X. What's Generation X? Is that my generation? Young generation? Yeah, I don't get all this Generation X. Generation Millennials, Generation Z, you know, whatever. Anyway, Generation X, 31% 31% stayed at the same church, 35% stopped attending, and 17% switched churches. Now, the millennials, 30% stayed at the same church, 50% stopped attending, and 8% switched churches. So, I guess those statistics don't fit you. That's good. Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. <clears throat> You know, as I said to a pastor friend of mine, you know, this COVID has really a lot of things about a lot of people and a lot of churches. You know, some were still shut down. Anyway, uh, I'm going to read the first 11 verses of Luke chapter 5, where it says, It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake Gennesaret saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were going out of them and washing their nets. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, Peter, prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night, and taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. When they had done this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes in their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, that's the word I'm going to emphasize here tonight, partners, which were in the other ship, they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of the fishes which they had taken, so was also James and John, the sons of Zemedes, and also which, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. They might say they forsook all and partnered with him. Because that's what they're going to do. So tonight I want to talk about partnering with the Lord. Partnering with the Lord. You know, First Corinthians 3, Paul said, wrote to the church that, Corinth, who were bickering about, you know, who they were going to follow. You know, Paulus, Simon, Cephas, referred to as Cephas there, but it's Peter. And, or Paul, or Christ. And he said, look, we are laborers together, what's the next word? With God. In other words, we are partnering together with God. And so now I want to look at Faith Promise Missions, and really what it is, is partnering together with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open your precious word. Thank you for the privileges that it gives us and responsibilities that are laid out there for us. And uh, we pray that you'd help us to uh, joyfully uh, uh, endeavor to fulfill the responsibilities and the participation, the opportunities that you've given to us to labor together with you. Uh, in the gospel, uh, through giving. 
We just pray that you would uh, encourage our hearts tonight and challenge us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as I was thinking about this this afternoon, you know, uh, the thought also crossed my mind about, uh, you know, with many of the things we see in our world today, you know, a lot of, uh, you don't hear a lot, but, you know, it reminds you that the coming of the Lord is drawing drawing near, I believe. But what are we supposed to do when the, when we know the Lord's Lord is coming? We're supposed to continue on and be faithful. And, and of course, we got our missions conference coming up here in a month, and, uh, which is 25th to the 28th of March. And, and so as we think about uh, faith promise missions, a couple of things we need to understand. Of course, the principle of ownership. You know, God owns everything. Psalm 24.1, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and the world and they that dwell therein. And Paul quoted that passage in first, when he wrote to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And he was talking to them about eating meats that were sacrificed to idols. And he said there in verses 25 and 26, Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, or that is the markets, that eat, asking no question for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God made that cow. And, you know, I don't care if somebody offered it to an idol and what do you say an idol is. An idol really isn't anything. It's just an imagination of, of man's heart of you know, imagining some form of God. So he said, an idol is nothing. And he said, God made that cow, so if you buy it in the market, eat it. Because the earth is the Lord's. You know, everything we have comes of the Lord. We need to understand that. God owns everything. You know, even... You know, some people say, well, you know, I've worked for that. I've earned it. Well, you know, he reminds us in Deuteronomy 8.18, he reminded the children of Israel, that thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. God made a covenant with you, and he's given you power to get wealth to fulfill his covenant. And And God has made a promise, given us a responsibility in his word of, of getting the gospel around the world, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. And the only way we can do that is through missions. And so we've been given this responsibility and it's an opportunity to partner together with God. And again, understanding that everything that we have really is God. It came from the hand of God. He's given it to us to enjoy and to use for his glory. So, principle of ownership. There's a second principle here of stewardship. We are entrusted with that which God is God's, and we must deal with it wisely. First Peter 4.10 As every man hath received a gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know, God has given... You know, God has got dealt to every man severally as he will. First Corinthians 12 tells us. So, so even in the church, you know, the world's talking about equality. Now they're using the word equity because they think it sounds better, but they're talking about the same thing. You know, they want to equalize everybody's income and all. But even in the church, he, he says, he, you know, he tells us he, he dealt to every man severably. That means not everybody has the same gifts. Not everybody is the same. Even in the church. It's not supposed to be everybody's, we're not hot dogs. You know, we all look alike. And we all act alike. We're all made of the same stuff. No, 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 no. No, we, we have different gifts. We have different abilities. And we use those gifts that God has given us for His glory. And, you know, just like your body parts, 
are all part of your body, but they have different functions. And, and so, um, you know, we're to use what God has given us for His glory, whatever He has given us. And so that's the principle of stewardship. Uh, and then we also see the principle of partnerships. We are, we are God's partners in this life. We have a primary obligation because of that. You know, here in, in chapter 5, in verse 3, and, and he says he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon. So he made, really made a pulpit out of that ship, or that boat, you know, because the people were pressing him, and so to get away from the people, so he wasn't, they weren't all, all pressed around him, he just, he sat in the ship, and he said just, you know, they just get off shore a little bit, thrust out a little bit of land, and, and there he sat down and talked to people. So he made a, he made a pulpit, if you will, out of Peter's ship. And so he was using what was somebody else's. So really, in a, what you have here is Peter using Peter's boat as a place to preach or teach the Word of God. And then, of course, you have them, uh, you know, the partners together in the fish, and then he tells them that they were henceforth they should catch men, and they forsook all and followed him. So they, so they, they, they partnered together with the Lord in 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 in. Uh, uh, Getting out the gospel. And of course, then the principle of responsibility. We have a worldwide uh, mission command given to us uh, five times in the Bible. Matthew 28, Mark 16, John 20, Luke 24, and Acts 1.8. We're going to go into all the world, preach the gospel, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. You know, it's God's desire to reach the world. And he has limited himself to the use of man to do it. But think about it, okay? Now, you know, it's been shown that miracles will not cause men to repent. That's been proven. I mean, if miracles caused men to repent, the Jews would have, all the Pharisees would have repented. But they did not. So miracles won't cause men to repent. You know, people talk about, you know, looking for some sign and all this sort of stuff. You know, then they believe in the signs. They don't believe in the God. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, how, and think about it, you know, how do things produce? Or re, not produce. How do things reproduce? Everything reproduces after its kind. So wouldn't it make sense that Christians should reproduce Christians? You know, sheep reproduce sheep, and we are the sheep. And so, uh, th- so this is a, re- principle of responsibility and of course the command that God has given us to go into the world and preach the gospel. Now, with these things in mind, then there needs to be a plan that God has given us. God must have given us a plan whereby finances can be raised without weakening the structure of the church, the local church. Uh, after all, it takes finances to take the gospel into all the world. It takes finances to get the gospel right here. But to go into all the world, you know, these are internal investments. You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, you know, a door is open, but there's many adversaries. And I was thinking about that today. I texted Brother, Brother, uh, Alexander to see how he was doing. But, but anyway, you know, there's, there's many adversaries. And many of those are financial in nature, and they're getting worse. Uh, you know, housing, places to meet. Are becoming difficult to find because of restrictions and regulations and all these things. It, and it adds to the financial uh, burden of church planting. So, so there, you know, you know, there's a necessity for finances. 
of course, it has to agree with Scripture. And it's a plan. You know, faith promise is a plan that allows each individual person to share responsibility. From the youngest to the oldest. You don't have to give $50. You know, uh, now, you know, if you're if you're if you're not if you're not working a job, but you know, even children can participate. You know, the, I've heard stories about a little girl that gave a penny, and from that penny, there there came you know thousands of pennies, and it started and it, and it dominoed, and you know, and 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 you know, uh, each person can participate. It's not how much you give; it's what you give give what God wants you to give. And, and of course, it's a plan that's easy to understand, and uh, so that we call that the faith promise giving. Uh, what is not a cash offering? It's not a tithe. The tithe belongs to the Lord. Uh, you know, the tithe is the Lord's. Uh, Malachi three eight says, "Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me." But you say, "Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings." He said, "Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, and maybe meet in mine house, and prove me now herewith." saith the Lord of hosts, but I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. There should not should be room enough to receive it. So the tithe is the Lord's. Uh, it, and and it, is, is, it is scriptural, and, and God has given us instructions in the Bible, and it was the practice by the New Testament churches. And we notice several examples of this. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and verse 1 through 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia, how that in great trial affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift, take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So, so we see here these churches of Macedonia, they gave out of faith, they gave out of a great tribal affliction, uh, out of a, out of, out of poverty, and, and they, you know, they were willing of themselves. They first gave their own selves to the Lord. So this was an act of faith on their part. Uh, they weren't giving, well, you know, I got this money left over, so I'll give that. That wasn't the idea here. They weren't giving out of their abundance. They were giving out of their poverty. And so it was a faith matter for them. Uh, it was a missionary outreach. He says, praying us, verse 4, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Now, now, often today, when we think of fellowship, we're thinking, well, we're going to have a fellowship meal. We're going downstairs. You know, we're going to eat together, and we call that fellowship. That's really not what the Bible means by fellowship. When it says fellowshipping together, it means working together. So these people were fellowshipping with Paul in his mystery. In other words, they were working together with him to get the gospel into other parts of the world. They were participating in his ministry. So they were fellowshipping together. It means to work together. To work together for a common goal. And you know that's why it says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of Darkness. Now, does that mean we can't eat with somebody that's unsaved? No. Because that's not considered Bible fellowshipping together. Fellowshipping together scripturally is working together for a common goal. 
with a common purpose. And so, you know, Brother Francis used to say when he was uh, on deputation, he's looking for churches that he could fellowship together with. In other words, we're in agreement with him, with us, in our doctrine, and so we are like precious faith, so that we can work together. We can work together. You know, that's that's why, you know, you know, I get emails and quite regularly, probably at least two or three a month, starting to decrease a little bit because you know I don't some of them I don't answer or some of them I just tell no. And uh uh, and the re- and you know uh, uh, there's a lot of missionaries that are out there that're looking for support who we really don't aren't in agreement doctrinally so I don't have them come why I'm looking you know and and I'm not being unkind I'm just what I say is you, you know if you don't agree with us doctrinally then you need to go to churches that agree with you doctrinally that you can really fellowship together with we're looking for people who agree with us doctrinally that we can really fellowship or work together with. You know, I want to be able to go, to go to any missionary that we support and work together and support that work, even if I if it, in person. You know, if there's somebody that didn't agree with us on, on, on the Bible version issue, why would we give him money if I wouldn't go and help him in his work and support something that's do you think that other versions are okay? You know, no, no. It's it's fellowshiping together, and that's what they did here. They he said, "Take upon us the fellowship of the ministering." So he's talking about a ministry here, so that Paul could devote himself to the ministering to the saints. So they they actually had part in his ministry or support of his ministry. So it was a missionary outreach. They gave out of a heart of love. Verse eight says. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the frowardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. So these Macedonian believers were proving that they loved God because they gave out of a heart of love. They gave it willingly. There was no no coercion or anything like that. He wasn't begging for it. Uh, no, he. They just gave because they wanted to participate in and labor together with in his ministry, with God. And so, that's what it was. The church of Corinth, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, they had made a commitment. Uh, verse 1 says, Verse touching the ministry of the saints, it is superfluous to me to write unto you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, which I boast which I boast of you to, to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. So they had, they had made a commitment uh, and then they gave by faith, verses 7, 8, and 10 says, For every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, nor of necessity. For God loveth a general giver. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. And then verse 10 says, Now he that ministers or seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So again, this was a a giving a gift of faith, and it was it was like sowing seed, you know, like planting corn or something, in faith, believing that you were going to have a harvest, that you were going to get some fruit for what you put in the ground, and so this is really the idea here: giving by faith. Uh, there were messengers that were sent to collect it. Verse five. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty. 
wherever you had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not of covetousness. So there was, a, there was those that were sent to collect it. And of course it was for the service of the gospel. Uh, verse 12, For the administration of the service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundance also by many thanksgivings unto God. So it met the need there uh, for the service of the gospel. And of course the church at Philippi, we know when Paul wrote the epistle uh, to Philippi, he mentioned there about their giving in verses four, th- uh, four uh, chapter four, verses four through nineteen. And you know they again they took Paul in part in Paul's ministry uh, in verse fourteen. Notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Uh, so they they partnered with him uh, in his affliction, and they communicated him with him as concerning re- giving and receiving. And they sent his necessity, verse 17 says. And, uh, and so, and they, this resulted in fruit to their account. Again, this is a, this is a step of faith. And because of their giving, it's like planting and then they receive a reward or a, or a, uh, uh, a harvest. Verse 17 says, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. To your account. And so, and, and of course, they trusted God to supply their need by faith. Verse 19, verse people like, like to quote, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, people love to quote that verse, but they don't often think about the context of it. The context was of faith promise giving. These people had given, and these were of these churches, this is one of those churches of Macedonia that gave out of their poverty, they didn't give out of their abundance. And Paul said, because of that, you know, again, God won't be a debtor. God will be a debtor to no man. And so they trusted God to meet their needs. And, uh, and, and Paul said, God will supply your needs. Now, we, we see examples of this in the Old Testament. You know, we've often said that the new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. And I remember one of my supervisors where I went to Bible Institute said, your best illustrations will come from, for the New Testament will come from the Old Testament. And I think that's true. And we see illustrations of this principle in the Old Testament in the lives of people. Hannah and Samuel. You know, Hannah first gave herself to the Lord. And then... She gave Samuel. But don't get the order mixed up. She gave herself. She cast herself upon the Lord. Totally upon the Lord. And then, and then she gave, offered Samuel. Abraham and Isaac in Genesis chapter 22. You know, you know God, again, worked in, in, in Abraham's life and brought him through trials and testings and Brought him to the place, and and then of course promised him a son, and 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 then when then God asked him to offer this only son Isaac upon the altar, and Abraham, Abraham, because he had given himself to the Lord, offered Isaac to the Lord. Now we know he didn't go through with it, but as far as God was concerned, it was a done deal. Because he would have. 
Because Abraham believed that God was going to raise him from the dead because he was the promised seed. And so we see this. Uh, you know, they so they were, you know, there's three, there's three scriptural concepts here. Uh, you know, as we think about faith, you know, Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 2 says this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. And then verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So, as we think about faith, of course, we, we know we are saved by faith. Uh, for by faith are you saved through, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we know we're, we're saved by faith. We are to live by faith. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are to walk by faith, which is really the same idea of living by faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, the Bible says four times, a just shall live by their faith. So we are to live by faith. But we're also to give by faith. You know, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 tells us that, that we are to live by faith. Every man according as he purposes his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So we're to give it willingly by faith. Again, this isn't our tithe. This is an offering over and above our tithe. So it involves this idea. This It involves faith. It involves a promise or a vow or a commitment based upon a decision. You know, again, salvation involves a commitment. We repent and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Uh, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So that's a commitment. Salvation involves a commitment, a trust in the Lord. Uh, this promise also involves living for the Lord. You know, we, we, if we're, we're going to carry out this Promise, we've got to live for the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not upon thine own understanding. All thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And, you know, great Bible people made promises or commitments to the Lord. Again, Abraham committed Isaac to the Lord, Genesis 22. Hannah committed Samuel to the Lord, 1 Samuel chapter 1, chapter 2. And the widow of Zarephath. You know, the widow of Zarephath is... You know, Jesus used her as an illustration, and it made the Jews mad. I don't know if you remember that. You know, he said there's, you know, you know he talked about, you know, not seeing faith in Israel, and he said he compared them to the widow at Zarephath, who fed Elijah, and that, that made him mad. You know, but that widow of Zarephath with the meal and oil, you know, was really ready to go. To, to take the last of the oil and the last of the meal and make a cake for her son and herself and then die. And Elijah said, you make me a little cake first. And then he said, the barrel of meal shall not waste, the barrel of oil shall not dry until the God sends rain. And she went and did what he said. That's faith. 
that is faith. And, you know, missions really is making a commitment. It's, somebody has described it as a making a commitment to partner in the gospel. To propagate the Great Commission. You know, the Great Commission says, go ye unto all the world. Now, you and I can't go into all the world. I mean, if we were constant travelers going into all the world, we'd never have any, we wouldn't be able to live. We wouldn't have, you know. So it's partnering together with those whom God calls to other parts of the world. And really, they go in our place. They go as our representatives. And the, the thing that we need to understand is, you and I are just as important as they are. For without us, they couldn't go. They couldn't go. So, as we think about this, you know, what faith promise will do for us is it helps each individual to fulfill his responsibility to mankind. You know, we are, we are responsible as a church. You know, Jesus told the disciples at first church in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, they were to go into all the world. They were to be witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Go ye means, you know, again, we are responsible as individuals. Ye. Uh, but it encourages a united effort. When Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, Philippi in chapter 4 and verse 17, he says, "This fruit that may abound to your count. So it, 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 it brought unity between he and the churches. And it creates a unity in the church working together. And of course, it pleases God because it's a matter of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Hebrews eleven six, and and of course, you know, faith promise giving uh, promises enables us as a church to understand what we can do to reach the gospel, reach the world for Christ, and budget that uh, in giving out to mission, missionaries. So, as we think about faith promise commitment. Uh, again, the purpose is not a, it's not a get-rich program for believers. We're only instrument God uses to supply the need of evangelism. It is every person's responsibility to be personally involved. Yes, your church writes the check, but God knows and God credits. God credits the individuals for partnering together with the gospel. Again, Philippians 4, where he said, that fruit may abound to your account. Uh, and of course, you know, 2 Corinthians 8, 5 says, he wrote to the church of Corinth and said, now, doing this will prove the sincerity of your love. You really love God? You know, if you, if you love God, you'll do what, you'll, you'll obey his command. You'll do what pleases him. And, and so, uh, we need to seek, you know, each of as individuals, we need to seek God's leadership and making our decision. How much the Lord would have me to give to missions this year? How much to commit to faith promise giving? You know, we are stewards. 
It's required of stewards that a man be found faithful. Proverbs 11.25 says, The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that waters shall be watered also himself. And we need to understand God's principles of finance as it relates to, to God in giving. Of course, God is God that prospers us, and he prospers us so that we can use what he has given us for his glory. And, and we need to use it wisely, not use it wastefully. You know, somebody that's careless might say, well, I'll just give everything I got. I remember, I remember a, uh, a pastor who used to preach at a Bible conference that I used to go, go to years ago, and he preached the message. I think he titled it, Seven Things the Lord Would Not Pray. Be- Jesus would not pray because the Lord would not answer. And one of those, one of the things he's, he, he was talking, really, it was matches to preachers talking about, look, you can't defy the laws of health just because you're a preacher. Can't defy the laws of finance just because you're a preacher. Can't defy the laws of sowing just because you're a preacher. You know, that, that was the basis of his message. And he gave like seven different things that covering those things. And one of them had to do with finances. And he said he knew this preacher friend, guy that he knew, it was always bragging about it. When the offering plate passed in a conference or something, he just put in everything he had, and God always supplied his need. He said, yeah, out of my back pocket. You know, you know. so a farmer knows that you plant for a the best return. You know, as a farmer, I'm familiar with this, you know, if you want a good crop of wheat, you plant three bushels the acre. Or if you're planting corn, maybe thirty two to thirty five thousand plant seeds per acre. And that's likely to get you the maximum yield. Now if you go over that, the yield's probably gonna taper off because it's too thick and it doesn't grow well. If you go under that, if you go under that and, and say, say it's corn, you might get big ears. Bigger ears of corn but there won't be as many kernels because there's not enough population. So you need to, you need to use wisdom to hit that right amount. And, and that's the laws of finance. And we need to understand that with as it goes to faith promise missions as well. And so we need to seek the Lord's will as to what He would have us to give. Uh, there is a passage in Proverbs that talks about this. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Proverbs chapter 11, I think it is. And uh, yeah, Proverbs 11 verse 25 says, The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that waters shall be watered also himself. He that withholdeth corn shall people shall curse him, but blessing upon shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. He that diligently seeketh, uh, I'm sorry, let's, let's back up to verse 24. There is that scattereth and yet increases, and there is that withholdeth more than meat, but it tendeth to poverty. So, so you've got to sow the right amount, is what he's saying here. And so we need, to, we need to have wisdom in that. So we need to make a commitment, ask the Lord what he would have us give, and make a commitment to faithfully give our faith promise so that we can partner together with those whom the Lord has chosen or called out to go to places around the world that we can't. We haven't been called to go. 
And so we can fellowship together with them in the gospel, partnering together with them and with God to get the gospel in places we never, we will, we will never go. We may not have the privilege to go. <laughs> or maybe don't want to go. You know. But, but as, we, as we think about that, we can expect God to supply the need. Uh, we need to ask God to supply the grace to give from what we have. Uh, save money in order to give. Enable you to make more for you to give. Supply for you in a way which you had not supplied for others so that you can give. But He'll only supply it if you're faithful to give it. Again, my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. See, faith promise is an opportunity for us to partner together with God, with the other servants of God, so that we can obey the commandment He has given us. That we, we can send the gospel through other people to parts of the world, to people that we've never met. You know, one day when we get to heaven, I think we're going to know. I think we're going to know who these people are. We'll know everything then. We'll have, we'll have minds like the mind of the Lord. We'll know everything. And, uh, and so one day you may get to heaven and somebody may say, thank you. Thank you for giving to Brother Bishop. Thank you. Where we, I remember Brother Bishop on one of his presentations had, a, had a, uh, one of the pastors down there thanking the churches in the States for sending Brother Bishop to Mexico so that he could give him the gospel. And now this man is a pastor giving his own people the gospel. And so, faith promise giving is an opportunity for us to partner together with God and send in the gospel to other parts of the world. And uh, that fruit may abound to our account. May the Lord help us and give us wisdom in our faith promise giving this